Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Amen. Genesis chapter number one, we started last week on how to grow as a Christian. Uh, and uh, then tonight we're going to begin um, looking at some of the basic Bible doctrines over the next several weeks. Uh, and um, uh, next week I'll not be here. Dad will be preaching for me next Wednesday night. And um, I think he's actually going to pick up where I leave off tonight. We were talking about that. And uh, he's probably going to deal some with the doctrine of God the Son next Wednesday night. And I pray promise you, you don't want to miss that. Whenever I was talking to him today, um, I was telling him what I was doing, and he said, well, which one have you got next Sunday night? And I said, I don't want to give it to you um, because it's so good. And he said, well, I want it then. Um, So I think he's going to deal with the doctrine of God the Son next um, um, Wednesday night. But let's look at a verse. I'll just let you remain seated. Look in Genesis chapter number one, verse number one. The Bible says this, in the beginning God... uh, created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created uh, the heaven and the earth. And I want to talk to you about the doctrine of God the Father tonight. Over the next three or four weeks, we're going to begin dealing with the Trinity. It's what we're going to begin dealing with. And um, the Trinity, if you don't understand what I'm saying tonight, is um, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Um, three in one and one in three, co-equal, co-eternal. Uh, um, they're, they're the same. Uh, and um, um, we're going to begin looking at that some uh, Uh, Whenever you look here, the Bible said, in the beginning, God, uh, whenever you study that God out right there and begin to look at that, you'll find that it is um, known as uniplurality. And what it is dealing with uh, is in the beginning was God the Father, God the Son, uh, and God the Holy Ghost. Um, Jesus, uh, the beginning of Jesus was not... In, in Bethlehem's manger, Jesus has always been. Uh, the beginning of the Holy Ghost was not at the ascension. The Holy Ghost has always been. Um, uh, God said, let us make man in our own image. Uh, if God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost wasn't all there, uh, then who is the us that God is talking about right there? So it's God the Father, God the Son, uh, and God the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to read some things to you tonight as we go through this. Uh, The simplest way to understand the Trinity is to look at ourselves. We are made in the likeness of God, according to Genesis 1.26. With our mind, we learn. With our body, we labor. With our heart, we love. We will not attempt to go into any great details to satisfy the skeptics or argue with the atheist, but will simply try to give uh, some help on these three things, God the Father, God the Son, uh, and God the Holy Ghost as we go through uh, the next few weeks. And can I say something to you tonight? You have to be real careful uh, um, whenever you are talking to skeptics because a lot of them want to do nothing but argue the Bible. I don't have time to argue the Bible. My time's too valuable to sit around... uh, 
and argue the Word of God. Either you believe it or you don't. That's just the, the facts of it. And I remember years ago when Leslie and I was with Rock of Ages Prison Ministries, man, there was some of those prisons that we would go, in, go into and um, especially a true, uh, a true Quran-believing Muslim would do their best to argue the Bible with you because it would hold you back from witnessing to other people. So I'm not interested in arguing tonight. Uh, I'm not interested in debating the Bible tonight. The Bible speaks for itself. Uh, it says what it means, and it means what it says, uh, and it's up to us to believe it. Amen. Think about this as we begin talking about God tonight. Pharaoh said to Moses in Exodus 5, 2, Who is the Lord God uh, that I should obey his voice uh, to let Israel go? Pharaoh says to Moses, who is God tonight? Who is God? Why, why should I believe God? Why should I allow God's children to go? As you study the book of Exodus, you find that 10 plagues later, Pharaoh knew that after 10 plagues, Pharaoh knew very well who God was and was very urgent upon Moses to take the Israelites and to get out of Egypt. One day, those who deny the existence of God uh, will stand in the presence of a holy God uh, and give an account for their life. Whether we believe there is a God or whether we don't believe there is a God, there is a God, uh, and we will stand in his presence one day. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, what? The judgment. Well, who is the judge at the judgment? It is the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And he will take the books and open them and judge us one day. Uh, what is those books? I personally believe it's the book that I hold in my hand. It's the 66 books of the Bible, amen. We will be judged off of that. So whether we believe or not, there is a God. And, and Moses said, or Pharaoh said to Moses, who is the Lord? Who is God? But after those plagues and judgment came upon him, he knew who God was. Let's think about this tonight as we look at God the Father tonight. Number one, I want you to note this with me. I see the necessity of God. The necessity of God. God is a necessity tonight. Amen. God is a necessity. Can I say this to you? Without God, we wouldn't be here. Amen. You wouldn't be, no, you wouldn't be alive without God. Amen. Let's think about this. I'm always amazed when I think of how God chose to start the Bible in Genesis 1. Here's the way he chose to start it. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. You say, well, where did God come from? He's always been. Amen. He's all, you say, well, who created him? He don't have no creator. He is the creator of all things. He's always been. He always will be. Amen. In the beginning, God. God makes no effort to explain uh, who he is, uh, where he came from, how long he has been around, uh, what his credentials are, or any of the, uh, the many other things that have plagued uh, the mind of man down through the ages. The only thought that I can give for this lack of information concerning the central figure of our Bible is this. There um, uh, is this. 
the whole operation of God in Christianity is an operation of faith. Either you believe it or you don't. Either, hey, look, either you say, preacher, am I saved or not? Did you do what the Bible said do? Yes. Well, then either you believe it or you don't. Uh, uh, doubting is a lack of trusting God's Word. When, when, oh, let me just say something right here. I don't have this wrote down, but let me say it anyway. When, when we have done what God said do in salvation, that is, we realized we was lost, we repented of our sins. Somebody give me an amen right there. We repented of our sins. We believed by faith that his word was true and we at that moment by faith asked him to come into our heart and save us. Then according to the Bible, he did that. And when we doubt that, we doubt God. We might as well call God a liar when we doubt that. Either he did it or he didn't. Either he died on Calvary or he didn't. Either he shed his blood or he didn't. Either he saved me or he didn't. But I've read the book and I by faith believed that night when I asked you. So preacher, did I have faith when I asked him that night? Why did you ask him? Because you believed that he would do it. That's the reason you asked him. Amen. So the necessity of God, the only reason I can explain why he started out in the beginning God and didn't explain everything is because it's faith. And can I just say something? How can you explain God? How can you explain someone so great, someone so mighty? There's no explaining the necessity of God. Let me show you a few things about the necessity of God. Creation declares the necessity of God the creator. Romans chapter 1 verse number 20 says this. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. If a man, uh, if man in the creation just involved... If it just if it just happened, if 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 the mountains just evolved, and if the land just evolved, and if 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 living beings just evolved, then why did they stop evolving? Here's an argument I've always had. If we come from a monkey, why ain't monkeys turning into people today? Why, 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 why did it stop him? Now, I've seen some people and I wondered if I did come from a monkey. <laughs> why did it stop evolving? Here's the reason. It never did just evolve. There was a day that God sitting on his throne in heaven in all of his glory and all of his power said, let there be and there was. Amen. Amen. Creation declares the necessity of God the creator. But watch this, continuation of the creation declares the necessity of God. According to the scripture, it has been about 6,000 years since the sixth day of creation in Genesis, in the book of Genesis. How does it continue? Think about this with me. Why do the sun, moon, and stars still shine? How do the birds keep on flying and the fish keep on swimming? How do the rivers keep on running? 
How do we still have day and night, winter and summer? What keeps the earth rotating on its axis without getting out of balance? What keeps the sun on its course? Why have there been no collisions of the elements in the solar system? What causes a seed to reproduce in its likeness so that we'll have different kinds of trees, fruits, herbs, fish, fowls, races, etc.? What is the answer to all these questions? God. That's the answer to it. What makes a green bean produce a vine that produces more green beans? God. What makes a seed be planted into the ground and an apple tree come up from that seed and apples bear off of an apple tree? God. Well, I'm about to get happy preaching on this. It's God tonight. It's God tonight. That's all you can say about it. The continuation of the creation. The continuation of it relies on him. I thought about this, Colossians, whenever we began to think about this, Colossians tonight says this, chapter 1, verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. In simple language, the word consist means to hold together. So the simple answer to all the complex questions above is this. The creation was created by God and the creation continues by God holding it all together. Amen. How does the earth not tumble off of its axis? God set it in its place one day. Oh, yes. I thought about this. Not only does creation declare the necessity of God the creator, continuation of the creation declares the necessity of God. But can I say this? Our conscience declares the necessity of God. Although it is unexplainable by the educated minds of our day, there is something inside of every human being that tells him there is a supreme being. There is someone for whom to look up to. Why is this so? In creation, God puts something inside of every human being that declares to that individual, there is a God and I need him to run my life. This is so because God created man in his own image and after his own likeness. Saturday, I was sitting at Temple. I was fixing to do a graduation. And um, a guy was sitting there, Todd Gerber was sitting there, and I was talking to him. And, and we was talking about visitation that Thursday night before that. And I said, yeah, I said, I knocked on the door. Brother Aaron and I did. And a man came to the door, and he said he was an atheist. And Todd was in the military, and here's what he said. He said, I don't care what no man says, there comes a time in your life where no one is an atheist. He said, when you get in some places, everybody believes in an eternal God at some point in time in their life. You want me to tell you the reason why? Here's the reason why. When you was created, God put a conscience inside of you. Amen. And our conscience declares the necessity of God. It declares that. Number one tonight, I see the necessity of God. Number two tonight, Talking about God the Father. I see the nature of God. <laughs> Boy, I love studying this. The nature of God. 
You ever met somebody that always tries to evaluate everybody they meet? To see what they are? To see what number they are? Or to see if they're, what is all of those things? Melancholy or Fruit Loop or, or whatever. You ever met somebody like that? Every once in a while, I just call it this way. Some people's just a good judge of character. Every once in a while, Leslie will say something about somebody, and I'll say, I'm just watching them because I don't have peace about them yet. You know what I'm saying? I just don't know about their nature yet. Let's look at the nature of God. What is the nature of God tonight? Man, I'm going to get ahead of myself. First thing that we look at the nature of God is the fact that God is holy. The holiness of God. It's just not an attribute of God. Can I say that again? God's holiness and God being holy is just not an attribute of God. Holiness is what God is. Amen. That is what he is. You say, preacher, why? And, 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 and everybody's different, but preacher, why do you take your hat off when you go into a sanctuary? Here's the reason why. It's his house and he's holy and I'm trying my best to re respect him. Yeah, man, you say, preacher, why do you put your best on when you go down to God's house? Because it's his house and he is holy. And matter of fact, he said this, for us to be holy because he's holy, amen. The holiness of God, the holiness of God is not something that is an attribute of him. It is who he is. Uh, let's think about a few of his attributes though. What are they? Well, I would say this, God is love. God is love. One of God's most recognized attributes is his love, his compassion. It was God's love that caused him to send his son into the world to die for our sins that we might be saved. His love is an undeserving love. It's an unchanging love. It's an unexplainable love. And can I say this? It's an undying love. <laughs> Amen. We ought to take out recess and shout on that right there. You say, preacher, I'm talking about the love of God. I'm talking about somebody that loved you in your lowest estate, in your lowest condition, at the lowest moment of your life. He never gave up on you. Can I say it again? When you think about his love, it is undeserving. It is unchanging. It is unexplainable. And thank God it is undying. No matter what you do to God, he'll still love you. No matter how you treat him, he'll still love you. No matter the way you talk to him, he'll still love you. No matter how many times you doubt him, he'll still love you. No matter how many times you walk away from him, he'll still love you. No matter where you you been or where you're going, he will still love you. It's an attribute of God. He is love. Uh, not only is God love, God's long-suffering. What about that now? He's long-suffering. What did he say in Peter? He said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. It's come in count slackness. But is long-suffering to usward. 
long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I've often said this, my mom and daddy didn't know how to count to three. They told me to do it. If I didn't do it, we went to the hoorah bush. If it was mama, you went to the hoorah bush. If it was daddy, you went to the woodshed and there was bloodshed. But aren't you glad that God does know how to count? The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Oh, yes. And when you get to chapter 4, Jonah's mad at God because God had saved a nation. That You study, Jonah's an amazing book. When you get to chapter 4, he's mad. Why? Because God spared Nineveh. But you know what? God didn't thump Jonah off the end of the earth. He still loved him. He was long-suffering to him. Oh, yeah. You know what? Uh, there may be some in here that the very first time God ever spoke to your heart and showed you you was lost, you got saved. But I would say they're few and very far in between. You know what? The biggest part of us, God spoke to our heart, and we didn't get saved the first time. And you know what? God could have said, I'm done right then. But God didn't say that. Why? Because he loved you, and he was long-suffering to you. And he came back again and again, and he spoke to you again and again. And you got saved. And after you got saved, you know what you done? You started sinning again. And God didn't get mad and thump you off the earth, but he was long-suffering to you. Well, I'm supposed to be teaching, and I feel like preaching a while. Why? Because he's long-suffering to us. He's long-suffering. You ever studied David's life? Man, read about David. Get Alan Redpatch's book and read on David. I shouldn't have said that name out loud because I usually don't tell some of the people I read after, but read Alan Redpatch's book on David. You want to talk about somebody that constantly messed up? David did. You say, well, preacher, he's a man after God's own heart. I understand that. But you know what David did? David laid in the bed all day when he was supposed to be on the battlefield doing something for God. Got up, looked outside, and Bathsheba was bathing herself, uh, and he ended up having her brought in. I personally think he raped her. He brought her in, and she didn't want to come in whenever you read all of that. And you know what God did? God still for Yes, judgment came, uh, uh, but God still forgave him. Uh, God forgave Bathsheba their baby died yes there was judgment that came but that was not the end of the story go on and read about a man by the name of Solomon that was the smartest man that ever lived and look at who his parents is it shows that God is loving and God is long suffering to us oh yes don't you look down your nose at that person sitting on the side of the street because we're one choice away from that ourselves. Don't you look down your nose at that person that's riding in the back of a patrol car. We're one choice away from that. Don't you look down your nose at that person that's going through a nasty divorce. We're one choice away from that. But if we have been in all of those places, aren't you thankful that God still loves us in spite of all of that and he is long suffering to us oh yeah he's love he's long suffering I, I've got about 15 wrote down here I still got another point God's merciful 
God's merciful. God's mer- He's not only long-suffering, he's merciful. Ephesians 2, 4. God is compassionate, Psalms 86, 15. I thought about this. God is eternal, Deuteronomy 33 and Psalms 90. God is immutable, James 1, 17 and Hebrews 13, 7. That means he can't change. God is immutable, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We do not have to live in revivals of the past because God can do it today. We do not have to live in in what happened yesterday because God can do it today. He's immutable. God is um, uh, uh, omnipresent. Uh, Psalms 139.7. This means he is present everywhere. He is present everywhere Ruth Graham had over her desk. And you probably got that message this week, but she had over her desk. Don't fret tomorrow because God is already there. Amen. Don't fret tomorrow. Say, preacher, I don't know about tomorrow. I'm facing some bad things. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow either, but I do know who holds tomorrow. And whenever I get to tomorrow, guess what? God will be at tomorrow when I get there. You know what, when that bad phone call comes in the middle of the night and you pick it up and say hello and there's a voice on the other end or whenever that door knock comes in the middle of the night and someone's standing there and says, are you such and such? And they say yes. And then you always make this statement, may I come in and sit down and talk to you? I'm Chaplain Barker with Surrey County Sheriff's Office. This is Sergeant so-and-so. Can we come in and sit down and talk to you? If that day ever comes in your life, just remember, Remember, when that knock came on your door and you turned the doorknob, God was standing there waiting on you at that moment in the lowest time of your... Hallelujah, he's always there. He's omnipresent. I thought about this. He's not only omnipresent, he's omnipotent. Revelations 19.6, he's omnipotent. This means he's all-powerful. He is all-powerful. There is nothing that God does not have power over. You say, you don't understand what I'm dealing with in my life. There is nothing that God does not have power over. You allow yourself to not allow God to have power over that. God can take any addiction away. Yeah, man. No matter what, no matter if it's drugs, if it's alcohol, pornography, whatever it is, God is is omnipotent. God is not only omnipotent, I thought about this. He he is omnipotent. Not just his omnipresent, he's omnipotent. But God's omnipotent. Psalms 139, 1 through 6, this means God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. I thought about this, Genesis, the nature of God. (laughs) The nature of God. I thought about this in Genesis chapter number 18, verse number 25. God is just. God is just. I heard a man stand this morning and give a devotion. You know, every Wednesday morning we have devotions at the sheriff's office. And I heard a man stand and give a devotion this morning and I know the storm that he's in. I couldn't imagine. 
I, we sat for a long time afterwards in one of our small conference rooms, just me and him. And I couldn't imagine, I, my, my mind, I just could not imagine what he's going through. And you know what he done on the, his devotions on this morning? He done it on this. And everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. And he talked about giving thanks in the storms of your life. God is just. God don't make a mistake. So preach, you don't understand what I'm in right now. God don't make a mistake. We may not understand why God does what God does, but God has never made a mistake. God has never made a mistake. The end of this month is a very hard time for several people in this church. Very hard time. And when I think back to 2016, when all that happened, can I just say this? God was still just. I don't understand it. I, I still don't understand it. Brother Kevin, I never will understand. It's not for me to understand. But I do know this. God's never made a mistake. God's, amen. No matter how dark the night may have been, God's still been good to me. God still blessed me. God still loves, amen. He's just. Well, that's the nature of God, the necessity of God. Let's look at a couple of the names of God, and I'll be done. The names of God. Boy, this is interesting. We're talking about the doctrine of God in the beginning, God. The names of God. God has several different names. Matter of fact, whenever you study the Bible, there's seven single names in the Word of God. These names give us a progressive revelation about His nature. The following thoughts, the first name, is in parentheses and, and, and as we look through this and, and we study this, you can find these names throughout the word of God. Let's look at them. Number one, Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, he is called God. This comes from the Hebrew word Elohim, which means the strong and faithful one and usually deals with him as the creator. The strong and faithful one. That's him, by the way. Can I just say that again? That's him. He's strong and he's faithful. Number two in Genesis 2-4. I got to get done. Number two in Genesis 2-4. Man, if this don't help you, the Bible don't help you. God don't help you because that's all this is, is exhorting about him. Genesis 2-4. He is called Lord Whenever you study that out, it is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is in the Old Testament. This comes from the Hebrew word Jehovah, which means the self-existent one that revealeth himself and usually deals with his work in redemption. The King James Bible, the word is written, as I just stated, in all capital letters. It is Jehovah. Matter of fact, that word, whenever you study the, 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 the writers of our Bible, whenever they would come to this word, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is Jehovah, whenever you study it out, the writers, when they would get to that word, would stop. They would, they would clean themselves 
they would put on fresh clothes and get a new pen, not a pen like we know today, but a new pen and a new thing of ink and dip their pen into that new ink and write Jehovah. Amen. You say, why? Because of this, because of his redemption, because of his love towards us. In Genesis 14, 8, he is called the most high God. The most high God. This comes from a Hebrew word, El Elohan, which means the highest one, and deals with him as the passer or the possessor of heaven and earth. The highest one, the possessor of heaven. And can I just say this to you? He is the highest one. There is none above him tonight. Amen. A lot of people, matter of fact, what did he say? He said, thou shalt have no other gods but him. Amen. But there's a lot of people, boy, we've been shouting, so I might as well go ahead and kill it for just a second, then we'll get back out. There's a lot of people that has gods above God. If it takes you away from the house of God and the things of God, your relationship with God, you growing in the word of God, you've got a God. A lot of people, there's nothing wrong. Now hear me and hear me well. There's nothing wrong with having a bass boat as long as you take me out on it. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with skipping a jig, brother, Ramey underneath a dock and, and ripping the lip of a big... Uh, large mouth or spotted bass and boy, there's nothing wrong with that but hear me when it takes the place of a house of God it's become God in your life amen it's become God there's nothing wrong with having a camper there's nothing in the world wrong with it but you know what when it continually takes the place of the house of God guess what it's become God Oh, I don't have no gods before. Yeah, you do. There's nothing wrong with swinging a golf club, but when it takes the place of the house of God, there's nothing wrong with swinging a baseball bat or a softball bat, but when it takes the place, the most high God, they should be nothing above him. Genesis 15, 2, he is called Lord Capital L, lowercase o-r-d. This comes from the word Adonai, which means master and deals with his authority. In Genesis 16, 18, he is called God. This comes from the Hebrew word Elrorai, which means that God, the God that sees and deals with him, watching over all his children. Boy, that's a good one. Genesis 17, 1, he is called the Almighty God. This comes from the Hebrew word, uh, the Hebrew word El Shaddai. Now listen to this. It means many-breasted one. This is the word used for the mother's breast and reveals God as all-sufficient, all-satisfying, and all-sustaining to whatever need that we have in our life. Amen. I'm done. Genesis 21, 23. He is called the everlasting God. Miss Tina, will you come start playing softly? 
This comes from the Hebrew word El Elohim, which means infinite in time and age and deals with him as one existing God throughout all ages. That's him. He's never changed. He's, you ever met some people that's up here one day and down here the next day? You ever met something you just, you know better than to ask them if they're okay. You say, well, do you want me to lie? The Bible said in all things, give thanks. Before you get on Complaint Avenue, you might want to read the Bible. <laughs> hey, man, friend, you might want to read the Bible. It said in all things, give thanks. We find ourselves sitting around on Complaint Avenue. When we go to looking at God, He's, he's the same throughout all ages. He is, hey, look, God's not one way one day and another way the next day. God don't answer his phone fast one day and put you on hold the next day. He said, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's always the same. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. God will never change. You know what that means? Hey, look up in here just a minute. I, and I'm done. I'm not going to preach right here, but I could. You know what that means? If it was sin in the 40s and 50s, it's sin today. Amen. Amen. means if it was wrong back then, it's wrong today. It means if we're supposed to come out from the world and be separate back then, we're supposed to do it today. You know what Brother May said, don't you? Brother May Jackson said this. He said, I want to be so separated from the world. This was in the 60s. He said, I want to be so separated from the world that if the hippies start wearing shoes, I'm going barefooted. That's what he said. He said, preacher, them old timers, that's different. You're exactly right. That's holy. That's in tune with God. You know what? God hadn't changed. Our methods of reaching people may change, but our message should never change. Our message should never change. And to a certain extent, our method don't change. Go into the, all the world and preach the gospel. Our means of getting the gospel out may change a little bit. God, the necessity of God, the nature of God, the names of God. I don't know about anybody else, but I sure am thankful for God tonight. And without Him, we'd be in hell. Without him, we'd have never been. You ever thought about this? God created man in his own image. He created man in his own, breathed into his nostrils, the breath of everything else in creation. God created, you've heard me say this before, but everything else in creation, God created from a distance. Everything else he created from, but when he created man, it was, it was personal. He reached down into the dust of the ground and formed a man. And then he breathed. To breathe into the nostrils of someone, you have to be really close to them. You have to be really... I remember years ago, Brother Brian, the first time I ever took CPR, mouth-to-mouth -mouth was still the thing. And, and you tried to find one of them shields that you could use. And I remember the first CPR class that James Collins, we called him Slim back in Yakin County, taught. He said this. He said, you just remember, they're probably going to puke at some point. And I thought, 
if I'm getting all this right, yeah, y'all putting all the pieces of the puzzle together too, ain't you? And you know what I found out down through the past 25 years, Miss Vicky, he was right. But if you're going to give that person mouth to mouth, that's practically what God did. He breathed. God was intimate with man. He breathed the first blood transfusion in the world was right then because he said this, life is in the blood. He breathed into his nostrils. God thought so much of man that he decided to form him from the dust of the ground and breathe into him. And you know what happened? Man let him down. Man let him down. You know what he could have done at that point? God could have said, well, I'm going to use the coons and I'm going to use the deer and I'm going to use the birds to fellowship with. That's the reason he made man was walk with him in the cool of the day. But you know what he done? He gave man a second chance. Made him coach of skin. That conscience was already in man from the beginning because what did man do? So don't tell me that there's not a conscience in every person. Man in the Garden of Eden hid himself. Him and Eve hid themselves and tried to cover themselves. Why? Because their conscience told them that they was wrong and they had sinned and they was naked. God came in and made them coats of skin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Those coats come from an animal. An animal had to die. Blood had to be shed. And you know what he said? Hey, son, let's walk about in the cool of the day and talk a little while. God, what a God he is. That he would still want to talk with us. That he would still want to walk. Man, that excites me tonight to know the creator of all the world wants to have a conversation with me. He wants to have a conversation. You know, on Friday, I, I stood with Sarah Stevens and had my picture made. I, not long ago, I stood with Mark Robinson and had my picture made. And, and, and I'm hoping to again before long when he moves up a little bit. I didn't say nothing about politics. When he moves up, we need a God-fearing man. Hey, man goes right there. I'm just going to keep moving. And you know what? I, I, all of our county commissioners, I got their numbers and I can talk to them. I can call them anytime I want to. That's okay. But you know what? There's one way higher than any of them. If I had Joe Biden's personal cell phone, boy, I wish I had his personal <laughs> cell phone number. You say, what would you say? Jesus loves you. <laughs> and the next words would be repent or perish. Because I'm telling you, that's what he needs. You don't murder innocent babies and be saved. Well, we're talking about God, ain't we? If I had his number and could call him, that's one thing. But you want me to tell you something way far above that? I can talk to God.